Okay, let's talk about candles for a minute. Do you know that almost 2 billion candles are sold globally each year and almost all of them are likely to end up in landfills for the next 1 million years? It's insane. That's why I think it's really cool that Notes candles exist. They're working to eliminate single-use candle vessels and give home fragrance lovers a more earth-friendly option. Notes has created a refillable candle system that allows you to use your candle vessel over and over again. It is super easy. The candles are made with fragranced wax beads, so all you do is place the wick in your reusable notes jar and fill it up with the wax beads and enjoy your fragrance for up to 36 hours. The Santal and Atlas Cedar scent is like this woodsy calming smell. It's so nice. And they have oat milk and balsam berry, vanilla and pepperwood, pistachio and rose water, and a total of 13 really great options to choose from. Be a responsible consumer while not giving up high quality home fragrance by making the switch to notes. You can build your custom starter kit right now at notescandle.com slash that sounds fun. Right now, notes is giving our friends 15% off and free shipping when you buy a notes starter kit using the code that sounds fun. Just use that code that sounds fun when you're placing your order. That's that sounds fun at notescandle.com slash that sounds fun. Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. I'm so happy to be here with you today. Happy Labor Day to those of you here in the U.S., whether you're traveling today or laying by the lake or enjoying some time at home. Thanks for inviting me along for the ride. Jim and I are very grateful, and you are going to love today's episode. Before we dive into this conversation, I want to tell you about one of our incredible partners, Athletic Greens. As my body continues to heal from surprise surgery, you know I'm still all about drinking my AG1. AG1 by Athletic Greens truly makes it super simple. You can incorporate all the nutrients you need in your day with just one scoop. AG1 was designed with ease in mind so you can live healthier and better without having to do a lot. All you do is mix one scoop of powder in really cold water once a day. Y'all know I like to shake mine up with a couple of cubes of frozen lemon juice for a little extra something special. Every scoop is filled with 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced quality ingredients that provide all of these major benefits. Listen to this. Are you ready? AG1 supports your gut, your mood. It boosts your energy. It helps your immune system. It even supports healthier looking skin, hair, and nails. And if you're on the go a lot like I am, their single serving travel packs are so handy. Just throw a pack in your bag and they make it so easy to bring along with you. You don't have to set a reminder to order it and worry it's going to run out because AG1 is delivered like clockwork every month. It is so convenient to make it a daily habit. If you're looking for an easier way to take supplements, AG1 is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. So go to athleticgreens.com slash sounds fun. That's athleticgreens.com slash sounds fun. Fun. Today on the show, I get to talk with my friend and one of your favorite humans, Jim Cress. Jim is one of our very favorite therapists around. You probably remember him from our Valentine's episode last year, episode 365. Truly, I think it is like one of our top three episodes in the history of the podcast. I mean, y'all loved him last year. Me too. We call him 
the therapist of the pod. <laughs> Today, we're diving in to all the questions you sent us after the Summer Lovin' series back in June. Okay, if you haven't listened to that series, this is a great way to do it. Go back, check it out. It is all about how to date healthy in 2023. But today, we're doing some rapid-fire rounds of your questions with Jim. And yes, we are going there. Y'all sent us all kinds of questions about going on dates, how to get a date, what to do with your sexual desire when you're single, and so much more. Because of the topics we're going to cover, this is one you will probably want to listen to where there aren't many BFF ears around, as we literally don't hold back. Some of these questions, especially revolving around sex, which is the literal second half of the show, are things that we wish people, especially Christians, would talk about more often. And gosh, I'm so grateful that Jim is helping us address these things head on. Listen, you may not agree with every single thing we talk about, but my biggest hope is that this episode would spark a conversation with your people, that you would call a friend after listening and talk about what you each think. This is the episode today. To hit share, send it to your crew, put it in your group text, drop it in the singles thread, and then say, everybody listen in the next two days and let's talk about this. This is the one. We grow together when we first bring things into the light and when we bring other people into it with us. So buckle up, y'all. This one runs a little bit long, but it's a holiday and we tried to hit as many of your questions as possible and we have a lot to talk about when it comes to sex and being single. So here is our summer loving Q&A conversation with our friend and our therapist of the pod, Jim Cress. Jim Crass, welcome back to That Sounds Fun. I'm glad to be here. I had to go through a virtual flood yeah. to get here. <laughs> it is raining I've been so baptized. Much. <laughs> I am freshly baptized from top to bottom. Well, listen, we're about to baptize you in some questions, too, <laughs> because after our Summer Loving series in June, we opened up the floodgates and said, okay, what did we not talk about? Mm-hmm. Or what did we talk about that you wish we'd have talked more about? Yeah. And boy, did the questions come in. Yeah. Why is it, Jim? What, what is it about dating right now? Or say to me, Annie, I've been doing therapy for 50 years or whatever, and people have always had this many questions. Well, one of the one of the things, Annie, and thank you by the way. It's so good. To, anytime I get to hang out with you, it's it's great. It really is. We're still in a global mental health pandemic, and we say COVID's over. We're unmasked and all like that. So things are at one level worse for all of us than we're aware of. We're uh, maybe a little bit more fearful, and can we trust this person? And the landscapes often I found littered with people who've had a series, maybe clear back to high school, of some bad relationships, or they thought this one for sure was going to work out, and then it didn't, and is it about me? What's the problem? And so I think there's a low level of ambient anxiety that's like, what does dating mean, and how can I trust someone, and how can I even trust myself? We have heard from so many women, and a few Mm -hmm. men, but a lot of women who are saying, I'm in my mid-30s, I'm in my mid-40s, and above, and I have never dated at all. Yeah. How does she start? Well, I think I'm going to say this and it's almost corny, but I think I would start at 30, 35, 40 with dating yourself, meaning Mm. Socrates said, know thyself. It's one of the biggest things I've seen in counseling is that I'm often uh, a person would be uh, disconnected and unaware of their interior world. Mm. You've been to onsite. You've talked about that publicly. I'm fixing to head out to onsite after this this recording. And uh, we try to help people 
as we've said often, collect the dots, connect the dots, and then hopefully correct the dots. But starting off with do you know yourself and do you know what you even want? Not like, well, here's my checklist of what I want in in a guy or a man or a woman. But the idea, am I aware inside? And if I've not done my own story work, Brene Brown says it sets you up to hustle for your worthiness. Mm, And you can do that in dating real easy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, quick and and not even in a physical way. You can just hustle for your worthiness of am I available? Mm -hmm. Am I talking Mm -hmm. enough? Yeah. Okay, so we have taken all the questions and kind of split them up into categories based on how they came in. So let's do a couple of 101 questions like we have people who live overseas and have no options so and dating apps don't work there what do you do (laughs) read that question as i told you coming into your studio uh, i said i I read through all the questions or at least many of them and decided that kind of when we did that valentine's day program we i did not come in over prepared i thought i'm going to be a as your good friend but also as a therapist sitting and I'm not going to try to you know, formulate all my answers on a sheet of paper. Mm-hmm. So when I read the one about being in a foreign country and all like that, I find uh, some people feel like they're in Dubuque, Iowa, and they're in a foreign country. Right. Right? And a dating app there, or it may not work, or there's there's no big church, or I'm in a small church, or I feel called to be in a small church. I think part of that is is to look. I, I just work with people. They say, I really would like to be dating someone or even be married. This is going to be kind of a real one-on-one thing. And I said, are you putting yourself, not necessarily in a meat market somewhere, but in the crossroads? Are you in a place, whether it uses a dating app or not? What I've seen, including with some missionaries I've worked with, Mm -hmm. they did a dating app. And then, but wait a minute, everything lines up. I really want to be with this person. But the other person, quote, didn't feel called to be on the mission field. So Mm -hmm. do you let go of that dream? I talk to people about willingness are you willing to, no matter where you are, are you willing to move yourself mm-hmm. or move somewhere else? Because mm-hmm. some of it's, there's a scarcity reality that around, there's no one around to date, but that can happen in middle, in middle America just as well. That's right. It can happen here. If Anywhere. you move to Nashville yeah. and don't know anybody, mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like you've suddenly in a sea of singles. It feels like you know no one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that's a little bit of the rub of dating, isn't it, Jim, that... People say, I want to follow God to obey God. I also want to get married and want to be dating. And when those two things don't meet, it can feel really challenging to like, am I folding on my obedience of God to make sure I'm in a place where I can meet someone? Yeah, I'd like to speak to that if I may. I do not do black and white thinking. I mean, I can, but this is a a thought I've had for a long time. If someone says, but I feel called, I went to a Bible college here in Tennessee, and women, wives would come in, they were allowed to, or women would come in and say, I feel called to be a pastor's wife. And as a single woman, I go, I guess you can. I'm not going to fault that. But if someone has a longing to say they want to be married, and yet they would have a longing or, quote, a calling to uh, both be married and be a missionary or be doing some other service work, I don't think they have to be mutually exclusive. And I put as much gravitas and weight on someone saying, I have a desire to date and be married as I do in a mission field. Because one of the greatest mission fields, as Mother Teresa said, if you want to go out and save the world, go home and love your family. So I think that's a high and worthy calling. I, want, I don't think that one has to X the other one out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's good, Jim. Okay. How do we encourage our guy friends? This is from a female, I yeah. assume. How mm-hmm. do we encourage our guy friends who are absolute catches to ask us out? So what our friend is actually saying is, how do I get him to ask me out? Right. Well, a <laughs> couple of things. I remember we did that Valentine's podcast. We talked about, you know, are men really the spiritual leaders when de- by default more women are? All that to say... 
to get someone to know. I, I don't want, I want it to be the law of attraction, not promotion. I mean, mm. how, or manipulation or whatever Enneagram number you might be in as you listen today. But how do I get someone to do that? I have no problem. Maybe I'm 61 and I got older now and I've seen a lot. I have zero problem. And we used to call it Sadie Hawkins Day, yeah, right? Yeah. That if a woman says, including my dear friend Annie Downs, mm, if yes. a woman says, I want to go, God's amening this right yes, now. Yes, he is. The thunder, thunder, the Lord's like that. We hear it. Go, Jim. Go, Jim, go. <laughs> but if a woman says, hey, I'm interested, yeah. and I would like to be able to have coffee with you, and is that is it really asking someone out on a date? Maybe it is. Or on a dating site, if someone makes the first move, I have no problem with that. And my goodness, that you know this very well, there are a lot of dudes that are just petrified yeah. to thinking they're not going to make the first move, and it doesn't mean they don't want to. So yes. I don't see a written law that a woman cannot say, hey, um, I would love to get coffee with you, and then follow through with it. Like, yeah. would you be willing to do that? Yeah. I've used the move before of like, we should get together and talk about that. Yeah. And then it just says, I am willing Mm-hmm. to be in the same place you are. I would enjoy being in the same place you are and then see how his response is. And can I kick that up one notch? Yeah. We Our words frame our reality. Fine. We should get together. I would tell my dear friend Annie, I would say, okay, maybe, I don't know, the next time you say that is, start with the I, I would really like to have coffee with you. Yeah. It's clarity. What happens in vagueness stays in vagueness. And we should, <laughs> it's like, real, what? I love when you but the that. Yeah, the bid of, I'd really like to have coffee with you what do you think? And yeah. see what they, see how they respond. Yeah. Okay. How long to wait to introduce someone you are dating to your married friends or to your community in general? I would say the first date. No, I'm kidding. No. <laughs> Make sure your friends are at tables yeah. nearby. <laughs> Hi, FaceTime. My mom and dad are here. I know you're wondering who that is. Oh my gosh. So what I think is, and I, I have a number I just made up one day. I said, yeah. I don't know, 13 to 16 dates. In other words, uh, keep defining where this relationship with, is, not obsessively. We're dating. We've had 10, 11, 12 dates like that. I so think, a month or two? Yeah, maybe yeah. a month or two. But but with that is to say, I'm believing, and I tell people again, please communicate. I'm believing, because somebody's going to believe it. You will. The guy will. Whoever. I believe that on my side of the street that I'm I'm thinking we're exclusive. Mm. People, I see that vagueness kill people. I and my just so you let you know, on my book, we we're exclusive right now. I have no plans to date anybody else. How about you? Now we've had three or four, we've had ten, thirteen dates, all like that. And I would let me get out of the family for a moment. I have some really close friends. You and I've talked about have everybody having a personal board of directors. Yeah. And there's some people around in that inner circle that I just want to go out with and let them just be around you. Yeah. Not you're not necessarily a double date or a group date, but let's let's go out and go to our favorite haunt and let's just be around because people can read the energy, body mm-hmm. language, all like that to see if someone in that natural environment of having fun or whatever else. But I don't think after if I have a tight group of friends that after maybe 10, 11, 12, 13 dates, I mean you're you're you are together. So yeah. If you have that much, that's not vague. That's yeah. like, we're a thing. We're yeah. an item. I think that's not too early to do So it. I have two soccer tickets <clears throat> to Nashville SC. I have two yeah. season tickets. Mm-hmm. So is it too early if I've been on three dates and then the next Thursday is a soccer match, but we're going to sit with 10 of my friends. Mm-hmm. Is that too early? That's not because to me, come with me to the soccer game is a little different than come sit at Annie and Dave's house around a table. Oh, yeah. So, so is... Does that feel too early, two, three, four dates in, to go to a, a public thing together? No. And what I like about that, Annie, is can we please – I have a goal as a therapist. I tell my clients I want to take the weird out of therapy. Yeah. I really do. You do it So really the well. idea is – well, thank you. It's like let's just go to soccer game. 
Yeah. It's just a soccer game. And then others are there without anybody talking about it. They're there to be able to observe and see the interaction, see what goes on, even cheering or yelling or whatever in a yeah. game. But it's just like, hey, here's the thing. Keep it normal. I yeah. know normal is just a setting on your dryer. I know that, <laughs> really. But it's like to say, hey, just go to soccer game. It's yeah. just that and see what happens. That would be different than you say you have some friends over here and say, we're going to go over. We're going to have dinner or yes. whatever. That's a bit more intimate. That's an interview. <laughs> Yeah, and, and it, it, it just yeah. is. Same yeah. way if you were dating a guy and yep. he says, I'd like you to come around my friends. They're like, I know people going to be checking me out. Yeah. They're going to yeah. be looking, That's listening. Right. Oh, man, when se- there was a one of the girls who sits with us brought a new guy to the soccer match. And I mean, the text string blew up when we got home because everybody's like, of course he did. was great. Who? What is this? I mean, uh, because mm-hmm. we sit together all the time. So I, I just was wanted clarity for my own life. <laughs> and <laughs> like, what I call how long that, do I have to wait to bring him to a soccer match? <laughs> see, it's so it's, we just got to be more normal, and you are. But there's a normal, organic vetting process. Yeah. We're just kind of coming around and seeing and whatever else. Just yeah. being around the people and it kind of continues to move maybe into some deeper intimacy with everybody around to see, but it's not just overt. Now our friends are going to interview you and check you out. Right, right. Yeah, keep it keep it simple. Okay, how do I re-enter the dating world when I'm scared of getting my heart broken again? Oh, I would start out with, why do you want to? And my, I'm curious, not furious there. I'm saying, huh, mm-hmm. tell me more about why you would want to re-enter the dating world, because our words, again, frame our reality. You're saying re-enter. That means you once were in it. How did the last relationship end? What is there to glean from that that did you end it? I, I, When couples I work with, I say, and we broke up, I say, I've never seen it. I'm sure it's there somewhere. One person moves first to break up. Usually very seldom is it. We both said we're there. One person's been thinking about it. So to say how the last end, I do fact and impact, as you know, fact it ended. What's been the impact? And then have you done any personal work? You don't have to be with a counselor. We have a good friend, coach, anybody. How are you different now from when you got out of the river of dating to where you're about to step into it? Let's yeah. start with that first, yeah, that's a great and question. then we go from there. That's such a good question. How am I different going back in than I was yeah. when I left? What's been the transformation? Mm-hmm. Okay, a quick conversation on dating apps. People feel like they're scary. They want to know which ones are safe, which ones are best. How do we know which apps to use? Well, trial and error probably. I was sitting very, very recently with a friend, and uh, she made the comment that I just love. She said, I went on a dating app, and uh, she's never been married before, and mm-hmm. she went on the dating app, and lo and behold, she liked it, and things seemed good, and had no idea, but her f- the, the guy she started dating that she is dating was in the exact same church, in the same city, and they had probably crossed paths but didn't know. Yep. So the idea of what dating apps, I've seen people, you and I have talked, I'm not here to name dating apps because it all depends on the region you're in and all yes. that. We know there are people who are basically, as far as I'm concerned, perpetrators or scammers. Yep. They're out there. But I would say trust but verify. That's what Reagan and Gorbachev talked about. Yep. Go on. And I've seen people grandstand and they're allowed to do it and saying, I'm not using a dating app. Tell me why. Uh, I just think it's dumb or whatever. And I'm like... Here's my salient point around dating apps these days. And I've never said this to you. Right now, there's a reality that people are using dating apps, and some people close to me have used dating apps, and they have connected. My own son and his, uh, my daughter-in-law did, and they're married. 
And and so I think the field is shrinking for potential candidates for people to date because I might be in Nashville on in East Nashville and West Nashville or somewhere else yeah. or and now it's taking more and more and I know this by the way in the therapy field a lot of younger therapists are troubled because certain times we can counsel across state lines and then people are like you're doing video so now bigger better counselors are more available oh, so i think the dating field potentially is is shrinking at one level because people are having success i've had many clients i've yeah. worked with found dating apps to be very successful others have some horror stories and so much of it is what is talk to your community mm-hmm. who else in your church or in your friend group yep. or in your town i mean there are facebook pages about which apps work for what town right. so i i'm the same way jim when people ask me what what have you tried what has worked for you i'm always like well you don't live in now Nashville, and you don't live in my community, and and so it's hard to recommend them. So I want to add to that too, which we've said again: trust but verify. In yes. other words, I've seen people. I've worked with so many clients, and most of these are women who and men, but but who have been married once before, and they're in their like forties or fifties, and they'll say. Go on the dating app and say, here are my boundaries. Mm-hmm. I, I talk about Jesus. I have sexual boundaries before this and like that. They get in and somebody says, sure, me too. And then they do one little right. tweak and say, no, really, could we just maybe stay all night right here? And I said, they're already testing your boundaries. They're show When someone shows you who they are, believe, believe them. them. Yeah. Okay. Th- I think this is, the, this is the question that brought tears to my eyes. Hmm. How does one navigate not being a conventionally attractive woman when dating? I just, my heart broke yeah. for this woman. I've learned to accept being a Leah in a world of Rachel's I read that as one. I enter my 40s. Yeah. But it, it does make it harder to even get a date, let alone date widely enough to find someone compatible for marriage. How does one work with that reality, is the word she used, and not get discouraged? Jim. Well, that last part's a zinger and not get discouraged. I believe, again, in a a very redemptive, if you will, even Christian view of the law of attraction. And if I have an itty-bitty pity committee inside my head, or I have a view of myself, A, are there things I can change? I went no no proponent of weight loss. I've lost 60 pounds doing my little thing that works for me. I had a breakthrough. It's what I want to do and wanted to do. I feel better. And when you do therapy and theology, the podcast I'm on, all my weight loss is documented. Yep. I go back and look at early ones and go, Jimbo, man, you were big there. But what I won't do is shame myself. Remember I mm-hmm. say shame, S-H-A-M-E, is self-hatred at my expense. I literally hate myself. So I can say, okay, I'm overweight or I don't have the best hair because fellows do it too. Mm-hmm. I don't know about the vanity issue here, but yeah. fellows will do it. And as we get older and say, can I believe enough in myself that I believe that I am attractive far more than even the physical, or I may not be walking a runway somewhere. Or for me, I'm not going to be on the cover of GQ. I think about such things still at my age Mm. because of video stuff I do. I think that part is, what are you believing about yourself? I just believe a person, if they've got a very jaundiced view of their self or their appearance or their weight or whatever else, I think that's going to come out as they try to move towards someone, because there are people who quote, I I see them on social media, can be quote overweight or maybe not. And I've seen it in my office. I've seen it quite frankly in the field of infidelity where people are traveling, doing medical sales or whatever. And guys will come in and say, I've got teeth that aren't in the best shape and I've got, but you wouldn't believe the women I've seduced to be able to be sexual with. And, And the point is then I've had some women that would come in that no person, male or female would say, that's not a very attractive woman. And she says, you will not, but this is by a lot of experience. Yeah. So you wouldn't believe the men who, they're just not even, 
they, they're not very handsome at all. But that man spoke to me. He was kind to me. He said, tell me more. He was curious, all like that. So I think there's a bit of a farce at one level. I understand it at one level, but of saying I'm not attractive. I would say, is there anything you can do to make yourself more attractive? I don't know. Is it true? I mean, is, is what it, true, though? This, is this, should we decide if we're a Leah or a Rachel? <laughs> Well, that's to that's me a, a black and white thing, and there's nothing that I can see in Scripture. You know, you may with you may trump me on this, but I see nothing that that Rachel definitely, definitively was guaranteed to be more attractive. I mean, Jacob had that bond; he wanted. But it's what Jacob wanted. Yeah, it was just yeah, what one guy that, decided. That, that's exactly <laughs> right. So the idea is, but there again, we're naming ourselves, and yeah. that's a, what I call a personal objectification. I have objectified myself and say I'm just a loser, or I'm just a Rachel. I mean, I'm just a Leah instead of a Rachel. I would, you know, I would stop naming myself there yeah. and say, my name is Annie. My name is Julie. My name, or for a guy, my name is Jim, or my name is George, or whatever else. People say George is a weird name. Have you seen George Clooney? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so the idea of just saying, and of course, the Lord Jesus Christ was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and we have no uh, nothing was against John. Attractive Jonathan. to anyone. It well, says. Jonathan Rumi is, I think, he's attractive. Yeah, Jonathan, listen. <laughs> okay, whatever. So, but the idea of saying that he was attractive, mm-hmm. I think that's a piece of being able, and I don't even know how much it's impacted real quickly by culture, but my internal culture, my internal operating system, let us speak words of life over yes. ourselves. If something about your appearance you can change, be gentle with yourself. Do it. But if you're not, I've seen, it's funny, some relationships I've dealt with where someone would say, we'd never put those two together. But the man says, this woman is so hot, so yeah, beautiful to me. She's yeah. just great. Or a woman says, this guy. And you can look at him and say, You've, we've all done this. And somewhere we've looked and said, I would never put those two together. Yes. You know, and to say, but there's something much more attractive there than just the physical. Yes. But if I'm putting off a vibe that I just think, Jim, you're just a fat butt, you know, your hair is getting gray, your whatever else. I've struggled with that shame. Don't think I haven't. And I begin to say, I'm going to speak words of life yeah. over myself yeah. and say, you know what? And if there's something about my appearance or my breath that I can change, then I will. Yeah, there is something about taking the natural resources the Lord has given you, yep. calling them good, mm-hmm. and saying, this is good no matter what. What right. God, how God has made me is good. And what can I do to feel the best about myself that I want to feel? Mm-hmm. And and so, because I, I mean, you know a lot of my story, but I don't know that I've ever told this story. I may have told Uh-oh. you, but. We didn't I mean, hit the probably, breaking news sounder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To do, to do, to do. Probably 14 years ago, I'd probably lived here a year, maybe two. Hmm. I went to a guy friend of mine that we were very platonic. There was never interest. Yeah. And I said. Do men not want to date me because of my body? And because I was like, I just need a man to answer this. Yeah. And he gave the, he was like, some, there are some men who will care about a body and care about a body looking a certain way, bigger, smaller, wider, taller, shorter. Yes. There are some men who you do not Mm -hmm. fit. And he said, the majority of men that you and I are friends with, he said, I hear what they say. People, you know, like said nice things, blah, blah, blah. All that to say, it was a good moment for me because my friend Adam said, yes and no. No for the ones that matter. And my friend Kelly, she everybody heard her already this summer. When she gave her piece of advice for dating, she said, be as weird as you can on the dating app. Be as weird as you really are. Be fully you because then you attract the people who are really going to like you. I love you. that. And so I feel like that's physical too. Like be you. Be you. And the people will be attracted to you when you first identify that you are worthy of 
being attracted. Yeah, and let me and if, 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 if I'm both those I like attractive and and attracted at yeah. that point. Let's just be honest for a moment. Let's not be a historical here. In our very American culture, and in cultures that go back to the Elizabethan time and other times, this is more of a modern thing in many mm-hmm. cultures that we want a skinny many, mm-hmm. male or female, right? There was there That's were people not global right now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah and it's yeah. like it's like there's a sense that okay, what what's this all about? Yeah. So the idea is is a modern thing. Secondly, now there is a word, it's a clinical word, and I'm going to nuance it, but it's called an arousal template. I don't think of arousal as a bad word. It's like what is it? I do a lot of work in this area with men yeah. and women. Is what is it that's on your template? And everyone has one, usually affected by family of origin or mm-hmm. your earliest girlfriend or boyfriend. Yeah. Will be like. I am attracted to a woman. There are men who I know who are sharp, and the idea – Hugh Jackman might be one. Who knows? But but they – a woman who might be a little bit overweight, they would actually be more attracted to that mm-hmm. woman. And someone can be – when we, we work with people, I do in workshops, and say, what's your arousal template? Same for women. And they'll say, well, wh- why do you want a guy with more hair? Some people say, bald is sexy. I yeah. like this. Yeah. Or, but there are – you'd be surprised the men – who say, you know what the most attractive thing is? This is one of your good qualities, many. I've never said this, but you don't mind, is your eyes. Oh, thanks, Jim. It's just true. And so that men say, I'm not worried about the weight. Others would. But I need to know, sorry, sidebar, I need to know some of these women who, men who are objectifying women if they're also active porn addicts where they're wiring their brain mm-hmm. with that, those mm-hmm. you know, neurons that fire together, wire together, and therefore it's harder to look that way. But I, th- I just think we, we need to stop and take a breath about what is it that I – who and what shape or whatever I'm attracted to and why. Yeah. And usually you'll find yeah. somewhere back – one of my tricks is, everybody listening, I always say go back to the first little love you had, that puppy love, mm-hmm. that girlfriend or boyfriend. Most people never get totally over the first little love they yeah. had. It was the first tabula rosa, clean slate, and say, yeah, I, I see that I've kind of pursued – I'm chasing that. Okay. yeah. yeah. Yeah, that to me, this when this question came in, I thought, I'm not sure this is a dating question as much as a date yourself question. This woman, the Rachel Leah question, she needs to fall in love with who she is and how That's, God made her. Well, the Imago Day, bearing the image. Yeah. And I like what you did with your friend. And so you're vulnerable. I'll be vulnerable. I said to Jessica, I said, again, excuse me, but I said, when yeah, I've lost my weight, and you know Jessica, I said, I'm just asking. She is so kind and sweet. I said, were you less attractive to me physically, sexually? when I was 60 pounds more overweight? And she said, yes. But she said, you're sitting not just overweight, but you would sit and we would watch whatever. We've been watching The Chosen now, but yeah. but sit and watch a show and just and fire down a whole bag of chips. I mean, I can put down some food, let yeah. me tell you. So, and I said, I asked, and I wanted to know, you know, I've asked some other women that, and they who are very kind and I trust, and they say, yeah, when my husband maybe is that much more overweight, I love him, we can still be sexual, but I'm less attracted when he's that overweight and not do overweight and not doing healthy self care. Overweight's yeah, that's not right. the, the issue. Si- it's not the size. It's the, the self care. It's what you're doing and how yeah, you're caring for Yeah, or you just like body. you don't care. Yeah, size to me when I'm dating someone, si- his size never yeah. matters See, to me. Right it there. is how are you caring for? Are you? Can we mm-hmm. go on walks together? Mm-hmm. <laughs> can we? Are we going to enjoy living life together? Yes. So it is to me never about that. Yeah. That sounds fun.
Hey, friends, just interrupting this conversation to share about one of our amazing partners, Brooklinen. Is there a season better than fall? College football, go dogs. A crisp breeze in the air. I mean, we're praying for that to come soon, right? And all the fall colors, mainly red and black. Our friends at Brooklinen know how to deliver some fall fun, too, with their crispness, their colors, and their comfort. Brooklinen is here to keep you cozy all year long with their award-winning sheets and home essentials. Brooklinen was founded by husband and wife duo Rich and Vicki in 2014. 14. Their mission is to provide their customers with hotel quality, award-winning luxury bedding. And I can tell you from experience, they are doing it. I love my Brooklyn and Sheets. I mean, I'm literally packing them to go to New York with me, you guys. They're seriously so soft and comfortable. I have three sets. A ton of y'all love them too because Brooklyn's internet famous sheets have over 100,000 five-star reviews. Probably a lot of those thousands are us. They have endorsements from the experts at Good Housekeeping and Wirecutter and are made with long staple cotton for longevity and softness. Looking for a serious upgrade to your home or, you know, going to go live somewhere else for a couple months? Grab a bath and bed bundle for a good night's rest and a new at-home spa routine. Okay, it's awesome. You can save time and up to 25% when bundling your new favorite home essentials. Experience the difference for yourself and check out Brooklinen's new fall collection. Just visit in-store or online at brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com and use the code that sounds fun for $20 off your order of $100 or more. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. Use the promo code that sounds fun for $20 off. We absolutely love bringing you fun ideas of products that make your life easier or are fun to wear. And we love connecting you with resources that are all around better for your life as well. Our sponsors are just the best. I love telling you about them. And I'm able to introduce them to tens of thousands of listeners each and every episode. So if you have a business, a product, or a resource that you want to advertise on the That Sounds Fun podcast, just go to AnnieFDowns.com slash That Sounds Fun. And you can click on the link that says advertise with us to fill out the form. We would love to introduce your business to our listening friends. Again, that's AnnieFDowns.com slash that sounds fun and click on the link that says advertise with us. Okay. Now back to our conversation with Jim. That sounds fun. Okay. Here we go with some friendship questions. Is it a good idea to date your best friend of the opposite sex? Short answer for me is I read the question. No, and I've done a really? lot of work in this. It doesn't mean it's a bad idea. I watch out for this binary black and white. It's all this yep, or all that. Yep. Here's the problem. You have bonded together good and laid a foundation down that we are good friends. I tell people don't date a really good close friend in some cases and don't date a coworker because if it goes bad, that's just a hot mess for everybody. Yeah. If you want to do that, be it old King James word, be circumspect, be yeah. wise. Yeah. And look, talk about it openly and say, this will change probably like Phantom of the Opera, the song, past the point of no return. If I date my best friend, then that has the ability that we'll never be able to go back to what we once had. I'd yeah, say yeah. be willing to say that. If, on the other hand, you can date your best friend, both of you are honest and all that, and say we're both changing the contract, I think it could be awesome. Yeah. How do you navigate being great friends with someone who you, this is a particular woman saying, being great friends with a guy who yeah. you think would be a great husband, but you don't think he's for you? Well, I think part of that is when I read that question, too, and, th and contemplated it. So I said as a therapist, and people are honest, they do, and friends, pastors, have I work with so many pastors, they've talked about it. You are going to be attracted to a lot of people, yes. Annie F. Downs, James yes. Anderson Cress. 
that's normal. We get weirded. Oh my gosh, what if my friend knew? And I go, hey, normalize it. We're like mm-hmm. freaking out. And I can be attracted to a person, and it doesn't mean woo-woo, as I call it. I, I, I must go do something about that. Right. So I think pay attention, journal, look inside, talk to a friend. So I find myself really attracted to this person, and that may be all there is to it. Because yeah. you're attracted to someone doesn't mean you need to close the deal or take the next step. Yep, yep. That's going to have me skip around. There was a really interesting question, I thought, that came in because we had a whole conversation about married couples, friends with singles. Yeah, right. And we talked about in that conversation, Jess Conlon and I talked about what happens when when someone grows feelings. The single person suddenly realizes they're attracted to the husband to some degree. Mm-hmm. And again, that, that could happen. I Every happens man, I look at their face and I can decide if I'm attracted. <laughs> then I look at their hand. Like I, can, I don't look at their yeah. hand and then their face. I look right. at their face first sure. to see if they have a ring. And so that's going to happen. But this friend is saying, okay, so if you find yourself in a situation where you are attracted to yeah. one of your married friends, what do you do? Do you t- do you sit down the couple and tell them, no, surely not, right? L, no, 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 niche, not. But I appreciate them asking that because I can see that. You'd be, no, Annie would not be, but some people would be surprised how many pastors I've worked with who have said, I am attracted to someone in my church, and I just really think the right thing to do, even if I let my wife know, and and they're single, they're married, another woman, and I was in the counseling session in my pastor's office, and I I just said, I need to let her know that nothing's going to happen here, but I'm attracted. Never do that. Nobody in the therapy field would advise that. Say why. Because just because you think a lot or just because you see a lot doesn't mean you need to say a lot. Great. Because if you walked right now through just a shopping mall, this place is it's a wonderful place called on site. We yeah. know oh, people are in there because they're telling their stories yeah. and all of a sudden, I think I'm in love with that person. Yeah. No, you're not. No, you're not. Here's why. Because you don't get that back. Mm-hmm. Emotional self regulation is okay, I'm attracted to this person. Therapists that are honest get attracted to various clients. Sure. But we know what to do because we're talking about intimate things. Yeah. So to say, that's my thing. So if you're listening today and you feel like I'm attracted to a married person, I know, therapy 101 again, I would take that to some good friends who aren't maybe in the same circle, but go to a therapist who's trained and say, often if it's hysterical, it's historical. What's going on? Because you can do what I call fantasy contamination. Mm -hmm. You literally can contaminate the fantasy and give that person who's married their face and say, oh yeah, there it was. I was attracted and I'm no longer. But as soon as you go there and say, I need to let you know, even if your wife or your husband's present, I'm attracted to you. It's hard for people to handle that. Yes. Right? And to talk more about it. Well, it just makes it, I can't imagine it would make it weird. Yeah. Yeah. So do you need to put up some new boundaries with that couple? I think, well, if you're that person, that's why I've said, I would do some own work around it. Yes. Everything doesn't have to be therapy. But if you do therapy, and often you can find that, oh, that's why I'm attracted. Yes. Far more than the physical. Yes. That's why I'm attracted. My, you know, I've seen men who are just duds at home, but the pastor's in the Word of God, man. Yeah, He's up right. there. So it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're getting a neurochemical spiritual high. It all makes sense. And people say, oh, that's what it is. I go, yeah. 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 And then you, Mary, pond, may I say it, Mary, I use it a lot. Mary pondered these things in her heart. Yes. And you can hold that. If it becomes a problem, like I'm sitting in the Bible study or we're in a friend group and I can't get past it, Onset has this whole program on love addiction, we call it, relationship stuff. And that is, I need to go do some deeper work. And it usually fundamentally won't be about that person. That's right. And so for, for me, anything that bumps in this area, I tell my mentor. 
And I say, Nancy, I'm not going to do anything about this. Mm -hmm. But I did find myself thinking about this, that, or the other, or about this guy that I shouldn't even think about because Mm -hmm. he's dating a friend of mine, or Mm -hmm. he's an ex that I moved on from. But I just am wondering, da-da-da, why am I doing that? So you're going to the why. Yeah, so I'm going to the why. I'm I'm confessing it because I need it out of me. We stay as sick as our secrets, and you've just broken probably 50% of that hold by confessing and saying we brought it into the light. So I say it out loud to one person or to Jennifer or to you, Mm -hmm. and then I say, now let's figure out why. (laughs) Because that person, because I, I don't want to actually be in relationship with that person, but there's something here. That is making something in me ping up. And I, I, I want to add to this, if it sounds like con- contrary or sounds like it's double speak, I don't mean it that way. You may be in relationships, folks, listening today, and it may be that you never get all of that out. You may not, you may say, I right. still, every now and then I see her eyes, see his eyes, yep, his yep. voice. That's normal. It's yeah. okay yeah. that that's part of it of just the law of human attraction, right? Yeah. It yeah. just is. That's right. Okay, here's an interesting one. I'm single 29. I love the Lord, and I really struggle with desiring marriage or having kids. Is it okay to not want marriage or kids as a believer? Well, is it okay with you? Not Annie, but, yeah, but with yeah. this person. When yeah. they do that, I would put back to them and say, well, what's your truth around that? Because yeah. I read that question in reverse, and that is to say, it sounds like this person says, you know, I uh, I am actually okay with it. Yeah. If you're not okay with it, then that's another conversation. I don't even know what okay means. Like, well, can I be celibate? Um, I, I, I have a term, you know, people can be celibate normally, and this is in the Bible. So if it gets edited out, I'm going to say it, <laughs> but people are celibate for the hell of it. And it's uh-huh. like, it's like, no, no, the true celibacy, which is not one of the questions that you put out right now, mm-hmm. but it's like to be, is it just something here that I, I feel like I give myself permission. I use this a lot with people I work with. I give myself permission for what? To be single and not trying to date right now, yes. or I believe I want to date. Okay, then you're yes. free to go do that. Yeah. Can we talk about attachment styles for a oh, second? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know you know a lot about that. Yeah. So a couple of questions that came in said, okay, I have an attachment style. I'm avoidant in dating, but I'm really anxious with my family. Mm-hmm. Or I'm anxious in dating, but with my friends, I feel super secure. Mm-hmm. Is that possible for attachment theories, for different attachment ways to happen based on the relationship? I look at that differently. I'll answer the question. Yeah, do it. So I have had an anxious attachment style. That's what I was either born with or born into, right? Can I have some avoidant moments? Yes, but I don't believe that's my attachment style changing. Mm. Can I become more securely attached? When I've done 15 years of therapy as a client, three and a half years of EMDR, brain trauma healing, I've done my work and still do. So the idea, I'm not really so sure that that one's attachment style changes, but I change. Think of the Bible, the Holy Spirit, progressive sanctification, that I'm there and I can avoid certain things. But my, my, if I'm going to default, Jimbo still has an anxious attachment style. I'm just Nehemiah 5-7-ing. He said, and so I took counsel with myself. Mm-hmm. I'm saying, Jimbo, you know what this is. Don't do that. What's going on for you? I'm doing my own interior work. Yep. But I don't really think my attachment style changes. Now, others may be out there and say, we believe it does change. Good. But I'm yeah. not a fr- I don't need it to change. I'm just mindful that I'm operating almost in a different Operating style. I know how to jump over to a PC, but I'm a Mac guy. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. can jump over yeah, and do that, yeah, opera, but I'm fundamentally yeah. a Mac person. Yeah. I mean, it feels like people who are saying, well, I'm secure in these, but not, but I'm anxious in these. Mm-hmm. I'm like, 
great. The goal is get secure in all of them. Yeah, right. I'm way more secure in friendships yeah. than I am in dating. You know what I do? I love how you did that. I want to get out of the public arena and then get it home. Uh-huh. Blaise Pascal, the philosopher, said what? All of people's problems stem from one thing, the inability or refusal to sit alone with yourself quietly in a room. Wow. So therefore, as I'm out there, and yet yeah, your peeps have made it feel secure. Annie, we love you, all like that, or Jimbo. Yeah. But I can get alone with myself, and I'm having to reach for things to medicate or whatever else. So sometimes the environment helps me feel more secure, which is awesome. But I don't know that my attachment style has fundamentally changed. Right. It has grown, but there's a core me that yeah. I don't know that it changes. I don't think my Enneagram number is going to change. No. I can be an unhealthy seven, Lord knows. But I'm often a really, like you, a really healthy seven, Thanks. right? So yeah. it's just it's just both ways. But I don't yeah. think I move primarily I can go to a five in strength. That's right. But I don't think I'm becoming a five. Yeah, we're not becoming PC people. Right, that's right. <laughs> okay, what do you do when your friends are dating somebody you don't like? Brings out the worst in your friend. They're dating somebody you don't like. Do you tell them? When do you let them learn from their mistakes? What do you do? Well, great. I'm going to use that line. Remember, when I say hysterical, folks, that doesn't mean nuts. It just means I got some energy around yeah. this. If it's hysterical, it's historical. I would stop right away. I would Psalm 139 it. Search me, O God, and try mm-hmm. me. See if there's something I don't see here. What I found, if and, 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 and not shooting from the hip here, but by a lot of experience, I found often, not always, when someone says, hey, we, we don't like this person like that. I, if it's hysterical, it's historical. Where is this? Where are you? What is this pinging in me? In me, uh-huh. what is that? And I want to know if five friends go, Annie, we're on your board of directors. We're concerned. Trust but verify and interview the people. What are you concerned about? Mm-hmm. You know what I found many times? Amazing. What are you concerned about? Blah, 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 blah. I don't know. I said, you don't know. It's hitting something in you. Yeah. You don't know. And That's often right. people don't know. That's right. Okay. Let's jump into what do I do if I desire marriage, but there are no prospects? How do I know if God is calling me to a life of singleness? Pray. No. Yeah. Uh, no, no. I'm well, like, it's yeah, really that's a good true. Answer. <laughs> I think part of that, I'm going to go into the 21st century that we live in. Uh, I'd never mean this in a weaponized way or a shameful way. I've said to some people, back to the dating apps, mm-hmm. or you're in a major city. I live in Charlotte. You live in the Nashville area. Then, you know, are you willing to consider not to go to a meat market? but going to a different church. Mm -hmm. I've seen people, there's nobody, I'm in a church and there's like 30 of us and I'm going, you know what? I would consider moving. Some people have said, well, I don't want to do the dating app or I don't want to leave my church. And I'm saying, it's so practical for me. I'm like, you're not putting yourself in an arena where you're even going to bump into somebody else. It gets very practical for me. Henry Cloud has a, um, how to find a date worth keeping book. And right. his thing is, get your numbers up. You've yeah. got to get, if you See meet how one simple person that is. this year, the chance of marrying them is miraculous. If you meet 70, mm-hmm. you, the chance is a lot higher. Yeah. Okay, how do you recommend finding out whether someone you meet out in the wild is a Christian? Do we need to know before a first date if someone shares our faith? Some people say, absolutely. I probably would have said that years ago. I don't believe that anymore. And, and now if you're going to try to bond together, we're going to usually be able to bond with our same level of health. Mm-hmm. But sometimes, may I just say, what does it even mean to be a Christian? Jim, that's a whole other podcast. But do I say, <laughs> if you died tonight, would you go to heaven? Here are the four spiritual laws or whatever else. I think you can meet someone and organically faith conversations come up. If I'm four or five dates in or someone says, or they posted on the dating site, I am an atheist, you're a Christian, I don't know why you would 
date that yeah. person. But sometimes yeah. it's like, what does it mean? You know, Beth Morris left the Southern Baptist Convention, and she might be in an Anglican church. Well, they're not yeah. even crazy. You see how that all goes? And I'm like, yeah. just breathe, take your time. If you have three or four dates in and you see that you're not on the same page or yep. close in the same book, I think that's something worth yeah. considering. If you're, um, if you're using two different maps of how yeah. you make life decisions. Yeah. Okay, let's do like two more, and then we're going to jump into all the sex questions. Oh, Lord. So a single dad reached out to us, yeah. and he's like, there seems to be a real network for women. There mm-hmm. seems to be single women who get together. Yep. There seems to be divorced women who get together. And even at church, there's like single moms groups, but there's not a lot for single dads. And so how do we help them? He he kind of just says, there are so few single dads. We're like a unicorn. We're different than single men because our responsibilities are so different. Well, I need to ask for verification. Do you think he is hinting at the idea of the question is so that I would be able to meet a single mom. How does a d- single dad navigate the dating world? Yes. Yeah. So my thought is, you just announced, sir, good, <laughs> that there is the single mom's network and all like that. Yeah. So I wouldn't worry about, well, let's start in creating the single dad's club. Mm-hmm. Be around, be available. And is yeah. I, I can't tell in the question if there's some bump, some speed bump, something mm-hmm. there that says, I can't, you've just announced there's a single mom's network. Yep. Why aren't you going, are you afraid to go ask out? The network's already there. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's part of the mother nurturing thing. And I see that and mops and other things. I just think that's just a natural phenomenon that the women are going to be able to, there's going to be more groups like that. Yes. And I just think to go, go to mops and yeah. date somebody. I don't there's know. Instagram accounts that are coming to my mind, like Kelly's corner for singles and mm-hmm. Jackie Dorman has a single nation where yeah. they post people oh, yeah. that submit their stuff. And so, mm-hmm. and those are both private accounts. So mm-hmm. for single dads, that's probably also a really safe place of yeah. like, Hey, there are going to be a lot of women <laughs> who line up <laughs> to help you <laughs> if they know you're out yes. there. Okay, Jim, we're going to finish our non-sex questions All with right. divorce. <clears throat> okay. As a single Christian woman in her forties, I keep hearing Jesus's words about divorce. I've never been married, but I'm interested in a man who is divorced. Do I not even pursue this because if marriage is in the future, am I committing adultery? Well, we have our passages, don't we, in the Gospels in Matthew 5 and Matthew 19, hotly debated. There are people now who are reputable in the Christian world who say if a woman's having the daylights beaten out of her or just under severe verbal emotional abuse, that's still violating a marriage covenant. I understand who's listening there, what Bible you're reading, but you may say, no, there's only one exception clause for divorce. I've just been reading through the Gospels. I know you do too. And say what Jesus said, then, you know, then that would cause that person to commit adultery. Here's what I believe about it after a lot of work and working with a lot of people who've gone through it is there is an exception clause for divorce including abandonment by a non-believer, that gets its own interesting thing going there. And I think that grace covers a lot of that, that there are people, because the Lord knows it has covered me um, as a former recovering pornography addict myself, 18 years sober from that, you know, that's, that is just going to have that in our story of me, bas- not basically, but betraying my wife in adultery. So with that is, I think if someone says, well, he was divorced and maybe he had an affair, but he's done his work, he's repented, he's changed, then here's the reality. I think he is absolutely free to remarry. I have bigger issues relationally is be sure you find out what was truth about the divorce, what went on, and is he owning his stuff if it's yeah. a him. Yeah. Do you get your community involved and stuff like that? Is that like a you sit down with your pastor and ask him too, and he says, yeah, that's committing adultery. How do you get your community involved when it comes to dating when you're divorced mm-hmm. or dating in a... I mean, 50% of the men I meet are divorced. Yep. 
Well, let's face it, on any theological term, you can put out just in the evangelical church right now, good men and women who are scholarly even are going to disagree on said issues. Right. We've got to be honest about that. That's good. So the idea of saying, well, what if my pastor's there? Then you don't have to, in the multitude of counselors, God's word says, there's say wisdom that. and safety. Yes. So it's like to say, there's where that person is. I don't have to fault him for his belief, but to look at where things are. Here's the thing. There are a lot of people getting married. There's a whole lot of people in the Christian church still getting divorced, and there are people going to go get remarried. Yes. So I think you can talk to some people. You're going to get various opinions. I think you got to get alone also in your prayer closet and decide what do you believe about that. Yeah. You have to decide for yourself. Yeah. Hey, friends, just interrupting this conversation one more time to share about another amazing partner, Nutrafol. Ever wish you had visibly thicker hair? How about less shedding? Maybe stress is causing your hair to thin, or is it the other way around? There are multiple root causes for hair thinning, and Nutrafol addresses key root causes through a whole-body approach to hair and health. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement clinically shown to improve visible thickness and strength. From postpartum to menopause to plant-based lifestyles and no matter your life stage, Nutrafol has four unique formulas to support women. Each is physician-formulated using drug-free science-backed ingredients, so you get the most reliable results. Just go to Nutrafol.com to take their health hair wellness quiz. We love a quiz. And identify the causes of your thinning hair, and Nutrafol will give you a personalized plan for better hair growth through their whole body health approach. Their newest supplement is formulated for women ages 18 and over with plant-based lifestyles who are experiencing signs of hair thinning. In a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after taking Nutrafol's women's hair growth supplement for just six months. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol. Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code. That sounds fun. Find out why over 4,000 healthcare professionals recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com. It's spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com. Promo code. That sounds fun. That's Nutrafol.com. Promo code. That sounds fun. That link and pretty much every other link you could ever hope for are in the show notes or are in Friday's AFD Week in Review email. So be sure to check those out. And friends, don't forget on Friday, we just started a new month of reading the Gospels together over on Let's Read the Gospels podcast. So if you're not already subscribed, come join us. We're reading the NIV, which a lot of us love and use in our daily lives, but we're going through the Gospels chronologically. It really brings scripture to life in a new way when we read these stories from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in a different order. We have a guidebook and a reading plan that goes along with the podcast so you can keep up with what we're reading each day and have a place to process it all. You can find that at AnnieFDowns.com slash Gospels. It may be September 4th, but you are not behind. Trust me. And if you want to catch up, each episode is like 20 minutes or less. So you can do it. You can do it. Just head over to Let's Read the Gospels and subscribe wherever you're listening to this episode and let's read the Gospels together this month. And now let's go back and finish up our conversation with Jim. That sounds fun.
Okay, let's dive into these sex questions. We had so many people send in questions and have, I mean, this that episode with the Tomlins had some scuttlebutt around it. Yeah. There was a lot. Mm-hmm. There were people who agreed with us so wholeheartedly they were shouting from the rooftops. People who wanted my head on a stick, they were shouting from the rooftops. I and mean, you did that series on purpose, didn't you? And even the second, you're yeah. about to go into this now on purpose, right? Yes, yes, I yes, know, I know. yes. <laughs> here yeah, we go. Because here's the, here's the thing. I want us to talk about this. Mm-hmm. I want people to yell in either direction. I want people people to be going, yeah, what is right for me yeah. and for us? So I'm not scared of any of it. I, I, people you know, can when, get mad. And what, well, what when things. Satan was kicked out of heaven, he was kicked in the bedroom. Let's just be honest. That's uh. where he <laughs> fell into. Yeah, it's just this idea. There's so many shameful sex negative messages going on. I used to have them too. And I'm just like, so it's a really a, a red hot topic. I think there's a lot of yeah. misinformation. We're going to start shallow. Um, Please. Physical touch is a human need. What do you do when you're not getting enough of that physical connection? I deal with that all the time. It's called oxytocin. That's the body chemical when your body is touched. So I tell people, no joke, this is not the only thing I say, go get a therapeutic massage. Oh, Abso- wow. oh absolutely, okay. because your body's getting like for an hour mega touch. Yeah. The other thing is Cracker Barrel, this is a point. And the Charlotte Douglas International Airport you've been in has white rocking chairs. Yeah. Cracker Barrel knows that rocking, we are all designed by God to, even as adults, to be held yeah. and to be rocked. Yeah. So the rocking is very soothing. That's where I'm going with that. So the skin-to-skin touch, even in the Word of God, it is there. In the New Testament, greet each other with a holy kiss. Yeah. So I think there is healthy touch. Now, what happens for me if I'm not getting that healthy touch? You know right. where a lot of the touch is not happening, don't you? Marriages. Hmm. People are upset. They're mad. Or the only time you want to touch me is you want sex. Maybe that's true. So where do I get healthy touch? And not just to every now and give someone a hug, but with safe people to literally be held. I hmm. work with groups of men, or when I'm out at on-site, we'll do that. Yeah. And they just love, just don't, don't just go boom, 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 pat on the back, but to be held. We all long to be held. Yeah. Okay, one of the mistakes I made in our first episode about Uh-oh. sex is I, I interrupted the guest and we never went back to the question Uh-oh. and people have been chirping at me since that so day. So you're laying this at me now? Yes. Okay. We'll what see. do you do if you have a high sex drive and you are not married? Well, I've got to do that with married or singles. We'll get to your question. One is I interview people all the time on this topic and say, whoa, 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 what do, how do you know you have a high sex drive? Oh, that's now, a good question. Oh, yeah. But I've got to, I hear it more from men, but I love when I hear it from women too. I said, well, how do you know you do? How do you know you're not using sex or masturbation? We're going to get to that, I think, here. Yeah. Or something else to self-medicate because it's self-soothing. We have videos in utero, we do, on YouTube of little boys and little girls in utero masturbating. Touch Masturbation is not a dirty word. Right. I'm not jumping to that question yet, just so you know. So I'm thinking, I've got a high sex drive. I go, how do you know that? So there is a study, if you get on Google right now, the only creature we know that will die from lack of having sex, you're going to think this is funny, uh-huh. true, is a female ferret because her hormone levels rise so high at time to mate, if she doesn't mate, she can die. Wow. Oh, it's like, well, how do you know? Now, let's, that's side A. Side B, I think I do have a high sex drive. So I don't know. What do you want to do about that? Because you can be single and have that, but you get married. I've got a real high sex drive, and you want to be sex on demand. Say that. that is a hot mess because people can say. So most couples I've ever seen, they do not have the same level. And sometimes it's fun when the woman has a higher sex drive mm-hmm. statistically there in, than the man. I'm saying, I don't know. You negotiate that. You talk about that. But first, I want to explore, how do you know you really have a high sex drive? Like some people could be sexually 
addicted even. Mm-hmm. I just have mm-hmm. to have that. Yeah, I think that's that is a really interesting point because it's not like we can take our temperature. No, you can't get a blood test and yeah. get a blood panel yeah. and come in and say it's there. Because as I'm hearing you respond, I'm thinking so many of our friends who say this, and when my friends and I talk about, I mean, you, this has also caused a lot of conversations well, in sure. my friendships, mm-hmm. which has been awesome, mm-hmm. of like we just want to do a thing that we aren't doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right? Pretty simple. So it can feel like a high sex drive because yeah. it is. We aren't allowed, loud, I'm putting that in quotes, everybody, putting in quotes, we aren't allowed to do the thing we want to do. Yeah, right. So I'm 43, Jim. I get that. What do we do as people get older and the Bible feels like sometimes the instruction around sex was for 20-year-olds? I get that, yeah. And not expecting, if Mm -hmm. Mary was 13 or 15 or whatever, Mm -hmm. right? But they're expecting they. Who's they? I don't know. I'm just saying it to you the like we're not they. recording. I'm just talking to you like we're at lunch. They say, Jim, yeah, right. that no matter your age, you should live by the rules we heard in middle school of mm-hmm. the don't have sex, don't do anything, keep your paws to yourself until suddenly you both have rings and now all is legal. What I want to just get out there with, with a microphone and interview all these people because anecdotally what I found, and I'm very gracious as I say this. You know what? I don't want to say everybody's doing it, doing it, doing it, like masturbating or whatever else. It's not my point. We'll get to that whenever that question I know is coming up. The fact is people are. They have a, a sex drive. You've got, watch this just real fast, dopamine. This is what God put in the body around sexual arousal. Dopamine, serotonin, PEA is the chemical you're building up ready to orgasm. That's God put that. We're so sex negative. PEA, woo, I want this. Uh, catecholamines, norepinephrine, which is burns these images and things in our mm. mind. So the, the huge, incredible pharmacy, pharmacy around wow. all these sexual things that came in young. It's not just about married people. So what do people do around their sexuality? First, I would say, if we're going to that, acknowledge you're a sexual person. Because we can go right away. Well, can I masturbate or not? Can I do this or not? Those are fair, but acknowledge what are you currently doing with your own sexuality? Do you realize you are sexual? Mm. The Trinity invented it. You're not just a person who has sexual desires. You are a sexual person. Being. I think that's important to say, and then I want you to continue because yeah, I don't want sure. to get yelled at for interrupting again. I think it's important for you to say because I felt this myself at times, yeah. and I've talked to a lot of friends about the same age where we felt like our instruction, caught or taught, yep. was turn off being a sexual person mm-hmm. until it is, quote, legal. Which has caused a bunch of problems later in marriage. Yes. The honeymoon night was a complete disaster, disaster because it's like, turn it on now and go nuts. And it's like, what, but, uh, no, so it's been there the saying, whole time. I am a sexual person. You are, it, yes. It is, is a very helpful thing for mm-hmm. a lot of us. Yeah. Even when I'm thinking about the Leah Rachel girl or thinking mm-hmm. about a lot of these, the mm-hmm. single dad, <laughs> like lead with, it is so good that you're a sexual person. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. It's so good. Keep if, telling if, us what what's the practical things we do. I'll see if you guys you know, knock me off the air here. But um, let's just be honest. If a man has a nocturnal emission, a wet dream, it's called yeah. for in street language, or if a woman says, "I'm riding a horse and could have an orgasm," whatever, it's like for goodness sake. We are sexual beings, and we've mm-hmm. pathologized that yeah. and made that negative. Or we can't talk about that in the women's Bible study. Well, it's just to say these are realities that I'm not again a human who has sexuality. I am a sexual. I'm a physical being. I'm a spiritual being. I'm an emotional being, and I am a sexual being. So, well, yeah, 
people, you know, in grade school, little kids have had shame. You know, they were climbing a pole or something because right. of what goes on. They're just with their legs and all like that. We're just talking turkey here. And it's like, wow, I got aroused. I go, well, yeah. But there's a lot of sex negative messages out right. there. And people are like, it just sends them underground is what it does. Yeah. It sends them totally underground. Yeah. But at the same time, we want to pursue holiness, Jim. Like, of course. I want to hold both, right? I of want course. to hold that I'm a sexual being who God made this way. And mm-hmm. I want to match that or or submit that. Do I want to submit that to I don't know. the holiness of God? Like. How did those coexist? What's Mm -hmm. the practical coexisting for people who want to walk with God in their singleness and not turn off their sexuality? To pretend, uh, we are, I tell everybody this, Annie and I are very good friends. She is not a client. So we're not in real therapy. We're we're, like you said, we're just having coffee. I literally am having coffee right here in front of me, as you know. (laughs) So um, what's unholy about touching your body in a sexual way? That's a fair question right yeah. back at you. Yeah. What, help me. What, what's unholy about touching your body? Anyone listening today, and we're not going to get to compulsivity, addiction, bringing you know, all kinds of porn in, or just using it compulsively, where you're just basically yeah. a person's masturbating every day or six times a day or whatever. It's just like the idea of, and notice I'm asking a question, yeah. that is not rhetorical. It's a yes. real question. I don't know, folks, what's unholy, show me, about touching your body in a sexual way. So... Then let's talk about masturbation. Well, if you want to. That wasn't a softball. I'm just saying we, we sit here and think, well, we've been taught this and all that. I get all that. But I'd rather go to show me. Well, don't use Hebrews 13.4. I used to use that. The marriage bed is undefiled, but God is the marriage bed. But just about touching someone or if you experience something, uh-huh. when people have things that happen in a dream or their bodies aroused and they wake up, a man gets an erection every 90 minutes during the sleep cycle. Everybody get your <gasps> Google out. Get your Google out. You think I'm lying. Every 90 minutes. Every 90 minutes. My urologist said it's God's. Does it God's, wake you up? Well, it's, some, it's not a bad question. Some guys wake up in the morning, testosterone's highest in the morning, cortisol levels are highest in the morning. A guy wakes up with an erection in the morning, I tell a guy, every erection doesn't need to be satisfied. Uh-huh. You need to, when you wake up, get up. When you get up, wake up. <laughs> it's just true. It's like you're there. Now watch this. This is the last biology from Dr. Jim. It's true. So a man needs to get up, at least the way the prostate works. This is all biology. We're so scared of it. And if he needs to have a bowel movement and this prostate's being pressed on, mm-hmm. it affects our guys who've gone through a medical examination, <gasps> prostate exam, right. and he got an erection. So full of shame. No, folks, it's biology 101. Right. <laughs> right. So we can normalize even the biology of it. But yeah, it's true. You can Google anything I've said, folks, yeah. or go talk to a urologist. So we're like, it's normal. It's okay. It's when I am aroused. What do I do with it? And what's going on in the theater of my mind, even if I'm not sinning, but I'm shaming myself? It's sin Mm. that I'm aroused right now. Really? Mm. Is it? Is it if you're watching pornography? To me, it is not sinful that you're aroused watching pornography, being a recovering pornography addict. It is sinful that I am watching pornography. Not very many Christian therapists are here, but there are some good colleagues of mine who are non uh, they're not Christians, and uh, some have written on it and all that, that they say, well, now we've pathologized pornography. If it's there in a marriage and you like it or you're a single person and you're doing that and it's fine with you, what I know is, and I'm not just going to speak out of my own recovery, but what pornography does is wiring a person into a cul-de-sac 
in their mind that C.S. Lewis wrote a whole thing. Google C.S. Lewis's letter he wrote on masturbation and lust. <gasps> Google the, oh, I've never yeah. read it. I've taught it. It's in the Wade oh, Collection. We'll at Wheaton yeah. College. Yeah. So wow. he says it puts a man in a place, what he called, quote, the prison of himself, or say a woman, the prison of herself, where there are shadowy brides and all these women are adored. They worship him. They require nothing of him. Yeah. They require nothing of him. So that wires a brain that he could go in and get sex on demand, or she can, a woman listening today, and do that in a way to escape reality using sexuality. I'm going to say, if you masturbate, and that's not a dirty word, if you self-pleasure yourself, if you do any of that, are you doing it to literally, listen, connect to your own body? Are you do? Are you free also not to do it? I'm just going to die if I don't do it tonight. Are you free to say, you know, once a week I would give myself the privilege as a single person to... I don't take a bath or do something or lie down and be able to pleasure yourself without pornography because I think pornography is damning and dangerous. That's not even to cut anybody down who's struggled with that. But what it does, it wires all that neurochemistry towards someone who's not there. And that way, the body will feel like I'm having sex with another person versus I'm being sexual within myself. So can, I mean, one of the conversations we had with the Tomlins is how hard it is to masturbate without lusting. And Mm -hmm. lust is a sin. The Bible is like Mm -hmm. so directly clear. We don't have to go Mm -hmm. left, right, or center about Mm -hmm. that. Can you do that? Can you masturbate and not lust? Because if you're thinking about someone, I mean, even someone submitted a question of like, we're married and we're trying Mm -hmm. to figure out, can we masturbate? The answer is yes, because I did it. Okay. So in my marriage, and then I was a pornography addict from young old, sexual abuse victim, true folks, all this stuff. And the idea of being able to focus, and I've worked with a lot of guys, that they could focus just on the feeling. They might be in the shower or somewhere else, and we're apparently getting really real on here. I like to be real. And a person can focus, look on themselves, not in a narcissistic way. But not but be thinking about an act I with anyone else? I don't think you're going to be able to do it much. Yeah. But along the way, and if you got shame, man, you don't want to shame yourself. That will just get, that's like gas on the fire. But to say, I give myself permission to just think about the pleasure that I'm feeling in my body, totally doable. I think if it becomes compulsive or you sit down and watch a rom-com or something or you're watching something else or get triggered by something and that image is already there, I we're not talking about perfection here, but yeah, I totally believe a person can be able to, especially, I want to speak to the single people. I mean, I'm telling you, because I've changed my whole view on this. Jim Crest said, everybody go masturbate. No, he did not say that. But there is a... <laughs> That's I mean, going to be our pull quote we put on. Yeah, um. <laughs> if he did, he did. But it's like, no, you are Not a sexual being. And yes, I know for a fact a person, man or woman, can pleasure in themselves. Mm-hmm. So the idea is, am I escaping reality? Am I using porn? Do I believe well, I just got to have it? I don't think a person's going to masturbate every day and eventually not some lust to come in there. Yes. So. Right. So what does it look like to get our community? How do we talk to mentors, leaders, people who are discipling us? Through this. Is we're this doing, a thing we can talk about? We're doing it. Well, we're sure doing it right now. Right. I'll find out later when this thing airs how much got edited out of this. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I have I've written down no things to edit. I don't think we need to edit that. We need to talk about this because there aren't a lot of conversations publicly right, right. now. But because they're not public ones, there's also not private ones, Jim. That's oh, yeah. the problem. There are private thoughts going on yes. and thinking, do I, do I not? But not people aren't getting around a table at dinner with each other and going like, so masturbation, what do you think? Mm-hmm. How are you feeling about it? Well, be the people that does it. So yeah, I'm sitting it. with that's a New it. York Times bestselling author <laughs> and dear friend who has bus tours, 
People know of my work probably with Therapy and Theology with Lisa yes. Turker. She's out at all that. Uh, people have platforms. That's one of the mega. Uh, you've got microphones. You've got a podcast. You own a podcast network. You've got a place, right, to talk about sex-positive mm-hmm. things, mm-hmm. healthy sexuality. Well, someone listening today say, I'm not anti-F Downs. I have nothing. Be where you are where you are and to be able to say, do I have a network of friends and we could sit down? Now, the venue is important. You don't just do it over oysters or something, (laughs) you know, but to say, can we talk about our sexuality and what we believe and all that? People are down on what they're not up on. Do you hear that, folks? People are down on what they're not up on. So they'll go to a pastor and say, probably 68% of evangelical pastors, Rick Warren found this out in research and others are struggling with pornography. So pastors, a lot of them, they don't want to talk about this. Yeah. For them to say masturbation could be enough, they can't. Yeah. Yeah. So, But I'm just saying that the idea of being very positive about sexuality, start where you are and with a good friend say, let's talk about it. If yes. you're really close, do you really struggle with these questions? And do you, with a good friend, do you struggle a lot with masturbation? Yes. Howard yes. Hendricks, I went to Dallas Seminary. He said, you get a group of men in a room, I don't care what the group is, within a short amount of time at a men's retreat, if you leave them alone, they're going to talk about lust. Mm, but they'll often keep it vague. Do you do it? You know, the thing, right. like, name it. Yeah. You know? But we've even taken pathologized the word masturbation. It just means self-pleasuring. Mm-hmm. Okay. Have we um, done enough damage or no, what? No, I think it's great. And the good thing is, like, one of the things we heard after the first episode about sex yeah. and a lot of our summer love and series is people saying, I sent this mm-hmm. to my friend and it started a conversation. So let Jim and I say masturbation as many times as we need to. <laughs> you just send this to your friends and then y'all talk around it if you need to you for the first conversation. You see what you just said organically was so powerful. It's already happening. Yeah. The shift is already happening. Yeah. The movement is already happening that people are listening to this podcast, listen to it before, and the shift is happening. People are saying, we can talk about this issue. And yes. already the movement will go. Folks, wherever you are today, be part of a conversation. You, you right there may need to start the conversation, face the weirdo factor of it all. It'll get less weird the more you normalize. Yeah, that's right. Okay, last one, Jim. We'll finish up here. Thank you again. Oh, my, my gracious. Pleasure. You are... We haven't gone in the ditch yet, I don't think. No, we're doing great. Okay, one thing we heard from a couple of different people were talk about the logistics of engaged couples not living together. Because it's hard, you know, my lease is up at the end of this month. Well, my lease is up in two more weeks. All the time. And how are we, it's going to be annoying to move in right after we get married. Can we just go ahead and move in together? And what's, what's the story about engaged people or anybody living together? Before well, they're married. The famous theologian and philosopher Beyonce has a song about putting a ring on it. Uh-huh. Now, here's the deal. There is research that I don't have time to get into. Don't make it binary, meaning it's all this, right. all that. It's black, it's white. When you are living together, we're sharing the toothpaste and the toothbrush and we're doing all that. There is still not a ring on it. There is still not a covenant. I'm not being black and white with you folks. And everybody knows subconsciously I could peace out at any moment. So coming together, it is not the still the same thing, even if you live together for a year. Now, granted, you can see each other and your habits, what you like and don't like, and the sink and the toilet paper coming off. Folks, you can see that just going over to each other's apartment or house. There's plenty of stuff that you can see. Yeah. By the way, when sirens go off, something important is being said. That's what I tell yeah, my that's right. That's I heard right. the siren out there. So I would say just be mindful that when you're living together, and then I think to go forward on the practical level. I already said this on the Valentine's Day program a couple years ago. If you, I work with couples that go, hang on just a second, just for a moment, including the biblical thing and Joseph and Mary, there's good data there. And you, you, what will be special about the wedding day and the wedding night? And they've said, we've already cashed in all the chips. We've done yeah. everything you would do. And I think there's an anticlimactic 
thing there. Right. I would say, Paul said all things are lawful, but all things are not profitable. Yes, yes, So my yes. thought is, can you do that and live together? I think even possibly not be in sin. Yeah, I think you can. But I don't know that it's advisable. And then why do you need to? And people say, well, it saves money. Well, you know, I get that, but maybe it's a worthy investment yeah. to not do that. And if you are there, then people say that we're going to live together and not have sex. I'm going... I don't know how you pull that off over a long period of time. Yeah. But I think it might be okay to do that in some questions. If you ask me, Jim, just what do you think? I would say don't do it. Yeah. Because it's if what it what it can set up. The the thing comes, then you get married. I've seen it with couples. They get married and they're like, Man, we lived together and thought we've seen everything. No, you got the ring on and now you know that's it. We're You're not married. Going anywhere. That's yeah. that's my thought. Not right or wrong. I can't say it's right or wrong. Okay. Anything we um didn't cover, you want to make sure we Good help with single people. <laughs> Yeah, this is just a, a, a redo or a redundancy, if you will, in a good way. Folks, please go do your own story work. Yes. Brene Brown says we are stories. We are data with a soul. Yes. Go in and explore. We say it in the therapy world, do your work to know yourself, and then you your picker will get healthier of who you, we believe. You've seen it in me. Yeah, I have. And and, and there's a reality that we water seeks its own level. I literally, the, the torrential rain, I came down watching yeah. the water just flooding. The water yeah. goes down, seeks its own level, and we're going to basically bond with nearly our same level of health. Yes. Do your own work. And I believe also that law of relational attraction, yep. you will not attract just some nightmares to you. Do your own personal work knowing what you want and be willing to be also good with yourself before yes. you have to be able to be good with someone else. That's it. Jim, will you please come back? Oh, you know, anytime. Okay. We need to have a meal the next time. I know, that's right. Or something, yeah. <laughs> I know, that's right. Thank you. Thank you My for pleasure. helping me. I mean, people know that so much of, I mean, January of 2018 yeah. at Onsite. I mean, I, I, I'm a, I am two degrees different, and over six years, that is a big difference. And you remember God's hand because you weren't supposed to be in my group? Yeah, that's right. You, they switched mm, me out. Uh, literally, <laughs> the hour before the group started, my life's been changed because that you're just a Mine dear too. friend to me thank and you. Jessica. So thank I'm really you. grateful. Yeah. Thanks for doing this. My pleasure. Oh, you guys, isn't he the best? Man, I love his thoughts. What a gift. What a gift. I would love to hear what you think after hearing this. So please let us know how else can we serve you, especially our single friends. How else can we serve you? What other questions and topics and conversations do you want to have? A great way to tell us is when you respond to the AFD Week in Review email we send every Friday. So if you sign up for that and then you can just hit reply on Friday and tell us or, you know, Instagram, email, all the places. We just would love to know how else we can serve you. You can check out more from Jim on the Therapy and Theology podcast that he hosts with our good friend, Lisa Turkhurst, and go follow him on social media. Thank him for being on the show. If you need anything else from me, you know I'm embarrassingly easy to find, like so embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places you may need me, that is how you can find me. And don't forget, you can find That Sounds Fun podcast on Instagram with some more fun stuff over at That Sounds Fun podcast. And I think that's it for me today, friends. Go out or stay home. Do something that sounds fun to you, and I will do the same. Today, what sounds fun to me is laying by the pool by my girlfriends and talking about this episode. Listen, it's sparking conversations for all of us. It's sparking conversations for all of us. Y'all have a great week. We'll see you back here on Thursday with an actual hero of mine, Dr. Alicia Britt-Sholey. Oh, I can't wait for y'all to meet her. We'll see y'all on Thursday.